Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This is episode 107 with Laura Roder. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxy. Welcome everybody to As Told by Nomads, and today I have an amazing guest, uh, Laura Roda. Uh, Laura Roda is the founder of Edgar, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things today, how to build companies from the ground up, talking about her company, um, Edgar, as well as social media strategies. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you, Tayo. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, you can't really know something unless you know where people come from, so why don't you tell us about your background and why you got into this and what led you to your current company? Yeah, so I started working for myself when I was really young. Uh, junior graphic designer is the highest uh, job title I have ever achieved outside <laughs> of working for myself. Uh, so when I was 22, I was working in an ad agency in Chicago, and I felt frustrated by the long climb ahead of me. You know, I was interested in doing more than just design. I wanted to work with clients on strategy and kind of the bigger picture of what they were doing. And in the agency world, that means I would have to go from junior designer, designer, senior designer, creative director, art director, you know, maybe get into the marketing side. And I thought, oh, that's going to be 10 years before I get to do what I want to do. Or I could just quit my job and work for myself. Um, and then I would certainly get to do all aspects because I'd be, I'd be running my own business. Uh, so, so that's what I did. Um, I didn't have, I didn't start freelancing on the side. It was pretty unusual how I did it and I don't know if I would really recommend it. Um, but I figured, you know what, I have to, I have to get clients, um, in order to eat. So I bet I will. Um, and, and that's what I did. And, you know, I love, uh, starting out in a service business for anyone sort of getting their feet wet in business, I think providing some sort of service is such a great way to go because, you know, you only need one customer or client to make your first dollar and, and you often get paid in advance for services so you can start to make money right away. So it's a great, it's a great way to learn about business. Um, and I moved from services to uh, information products and online training. And then I launched my first software business, which is what I'm doing now, Edgar, uh, last year. 
Gotcha. Now, on on route to Edgar, you'd come across Marie Folio. I mean, I I was sort of making a lame attempt at a joke before the show started, but I Marie Folio's, you know, she's this entrepreneur who's who's who started off with B school and it's grown into this like Fortune 500 type of company. What was that yeah. experience? What was that experience like? Yeah. So I first uh, met Marie in uh, it must have been like 2009. Um, I had just moved to LA and I met her at a conference and I actually hired her to be my coach. That's how I first met her. Um, she was doing like small group and one-on-one business coaching. Uh, and we just became really good friends through that coaching relationship. And she and I at the time were going to a lot of kind of internet marketing business conferences together because we both are online business junkies, online marketing junkies. Um, so we really liked going to these conferences to learn, but we just didn't really feel like it was, it was really our crowd. You know, there was a lot there that was sort of spammy or sort of scammy, or we didn't really agree with the ethics of how it was being taught. And then especially Marie's audience was always all women. So we had the internet marketing and then we had kind of the women's conferences and sometimes we'd go to those and we'd feel like, well, this is, you know, maybe it's a better crowd, but they're not really, they're not really teaching that much (laughs) concrete (laughs) business or marketing. I mean, luckily all this has gotten a lot better in in the years past. So we're like, we want to make a program marketed towards women, focused on women, but just that teaches those really important fundamentals of online marketing and copywriting and making a great offer, you know, and doesn't dumb it down in any way or uh, think that you have to have this spiritual element when you're teaching marketing, which <laughs> which is fine, but it's, you know, sometimes you just want to learn marketing. So True. that was really the idea behind B-School. Uh, so she and I launched it together and ran it together for a few years and we had started it as this little side project you know we both had our own businesses going um and it just became this insane worldwide phenomenon uh which it is now so i actually made the decision to leave in 2012 which was was definitely one of the most difficult decisions i've i've ever made in business but uh, we, Marie and I really got to this crossroads where we saw, okay, this isn't a side project. You know, we need to go all in and that would mean not pursuing um, the other business that I had been building. It would, you know, mean, of course, Marie would be my partner and, and B-School would be my main business and that didn't, it didn't feel right to me. Um, so I did decide to leave and, you know, it's all worked out amazing. B-School has just gotten bigger and better. I was able to um, launch Edgar, which I had always wanted to run a software company so yeah it was kind of a crazy a crazy journey but it's all worked out really well and the reason i wanted you to go through that story is because what i really wanted to pick up from that is the fact that sometimes you can achieve success but if you don't feel like it's for you Mm -hmm. uh, you have to do you know yourself a favor of being honest with yourself because you know i'm uh i accidentally i always accidentally fell into entrepreneurship but i'm now starting to change it because i don't think you accidentally fall into that if you just follow (laughs) your passion but one of the things that i've learned in my journey is turning away things so i i got my mba from you know from fordham and i had the crossroads of going down the consultant path or you know deloitte and all that or just Mm -hmm. launching my own media company one was already guaranteed six-figure salary right Mm -hmm. and the other was me just follow the passion not knowing exactly where the path was and many times i'm still like ah, i don't know what i'm doing but then I, I it's been a lot more rewarding i found even though it was initially difficult to to go down the path where i know what, what i'm doing and i feel like i'm being fulfilled in this because i feel like i'm 
being honest with myself and I'm making an impact in the way that I want to make an impact. So I wanted you to sort of highlight that because many entrepreneurs have that crossroads and sometimes they feel like they need to take one decision. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's such a tough thing, but it's so important. You know, something that didn't really align with me about B-School is that, um, you know, it's very personal brand focused. Right. Um, you know, so now that it's Marie, obviously her picture's on everything. She's teaching everything. When she and I were teaching together, it was, it was both of us teaching and on everything. Uh, actually, in retrospect, I wonder if I could have you know, made it a partnership where maybe I was more behind the scenes and she was sort of the face of it. Um, but hmm. that didn't, I don't know, that didn't really occur to me. Like, if I were to do it again, I think that would be another good option to explore. Right. Um, but I really was interested in a business where I would be able to take off for months at a time or I could have a team that would not just maintain the business but really grow the business without me. And I just didn't really see how that was possible uh, with a model where it was all about me as the face and the teacher. So I didn't actually know exactly what that model would be. You know, I didn't, I hadn't conceived of Edgar when I quit B-School, but it's such a great lesson. And sometimes you have to make room, you know, when you're choosing not to take the consulting job. It's not like you knew that your business would work or maybe even what no your idea. business would be. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> it's like, okay, I know I don't want to do this. So I'm, this doesn't feel right. So I'm going to say no to this. And then I'm going to leave space for, for something better for me to emerge. Absolutely. And and then you you landed on Edgar. Now, mm-hmm. there, there's several facets to Edgar. I, I have listened to a few of your podcast episodes enough to know that there's a story behind the name. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start there uh, as to as to that? And then maybe we'll talk about the problem you wanted to solve. Well, maybe we should start with the problem first and go to the name. Yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. So. Okay. The problem, there were a few core problems that we wanted to solve with Edgar. So, you know, I've been in the social media field a long time. Obviously, social media marketing has been a huge part of of the marketing mix for my own businesses. And uh, one of my biggest frustrations with the existing marketing tools, social media marketing tools, is that none of them kept a library of your updates. So I find that a lot of people that have been doing social marketing kind of more seriously for their business, uh, they'll often have a spreadsheet or a Google Doc where they store a lot of their updates so they can be more organized with how they send them out uh, and also so they can reuse them. You know, this is a really important thing in social media that a lot of people are doing. You've created this huge library of content, right? You have hundreds of podcasts or blog posts or videos that you've created over the years. You need to be using social to send people back to that that still good content that you created a year ago. Um, The other systems just don't have an easy way to do that. You just have to sort of manually remember to find that link and load it up over and over again. And I just felt so frustrated, you know, why do I have this giant, super cumbersome spreadsheet? And of course, spreadsheets are really bad at things like storing images, um, storing any kind of longer text. Why isn't the spreadsheet in the social media tool? You know, like, why do I have this? I'm using this to send out my social media updates. It seemed really odd to me. So why do I have to store my updates elsewhere? And why don't the tools have an easy way to just cycle through my content? Because that's what I was doing manually. It's like, okay, here's all my old blog posts. I'm just going to load them up into the tool and just cycle through them over and over again. Here's inspirational quotes. Load them up, cycle through them over and over again. I want software that does this automatically for me. Um, so I had this idea, and this is what we this idea is what we teach in my social brilliant program. And I don't know how to make software. So I kind of had this assumption, like, well, this seems like a really obvious idea. So the fact that none of the tools do it, it must be because it's just like 
too hard to do. You know, <laughs> I don't know if it's impossible. I don't know if it's just too difficult, but no one's done it. Um, enter my husband, who's a Ruby on Rails developer, very oh, conveniently, which is, if you perfect. don't know, <laughs> yeah, the perfect. language that you write web software, social media software. And so I met him in 2012, and I was kind of talking to him about this, and he, he was literally like, I could, I could build that in a week. You know, <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you serious? You know, I just yeah. thought this. I thought this was impossible. And from his perspective, it's like, no, that's that's not impossible at all. And and yeah, it is kind of crazy that the tools aren't doing this already. Uh, so you know, basically, with my idea and his ability to actually execute, and also his knowledge about you know what makes a great software product, because that's that's what he's been doing his whole career. Um, we came together and built Edgar um, last year in in 2014. Um, so the name you ask about the name, uh, we were using Edgar as a kind of code name. Uh, sometimes we'll have little projects that we kind of think about or kind of start, and so we've picked the names of usually uh, obscure older relatives to <laughs> to name the projects after. Yeah. I think Edgar is a great a great old man name. So we had been calling it Edgar, and I had sort of mentioned it to people what I was working on, and I'm like, we're calling it Edgar, but obviously that's not the name of it. And I just noticed that people would remember, which was really funny to me. You know, I'd see them a few weeks later, and they'd be like, oh, how's Edgar going? I'm like, that's kind of weird that they remembered what it was called. And then when we got ready to launch it, we did the whole process of, you know, what's the branding going to be? What's the name going to be? And we couldn't. Honestly, we just couldn't come up with anything better. We thought of all right. these names and didn't really like any of them. And we're like, maybe we should just actually call it Edgar. Like, could we do that? Is that allowed? Because um, it seems to stick in people's minds. And so obviously we did. Uh, and I think it's been a great decision. You know, it does seem memorable for people. In our marketing, we have a lot of fun with Edgar's persona. He's like a quirky octopus that lives under the sea and, and takes care of your social media for you. Gotcha. Uh, and, and we've had a lot of fun in the brand. We always call Edgar he instead of it. Like he handles your social media. So I think, you know, it worked out. And it's a great reminder that you can, it's your business, right? You get to do what you want and, and have fun with it. Gotcha. No, I, I, I love the story because it, it, sometimes it's you just need a name and you found a name and now... This Edgar is taking on a life of its own. It's its own, uh, its own persona. It's a mm. person. <laughs> but so you were talking about Edgar, and I, I was just nodding my head, thinking, "Oh my goodness, that is that is so important." And that's a frustration I've had. Are your competitors Buffer? Or yeah, okay. yeah. So our competitors are tools like Buffer and Hootsuite, um, but none none of the other tools have the capabilities that we do. Uh, which is actually something that we're working on now. We've realized that our marketing really doesn't do a good job of saying, hey, no, we're we're actually really different. Because um, there are competitors in the sense that there are also tools that help you automate your social media marketing, um, but none of them have the capability to do what we do, you know, load up all your content in a library, and then you never have to refill your queue ever. You never have to manually schedule anything. Edgar just takes all your content, sends it out for you. Really? Yeah, it's oh, great. Wow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're like, yes, that's the reaction I wanted to get for someone. Okay, um, okay, no, so now, now this is great. So if someone wants to sign up, I, I heard the it's like an invite only. Is that correct? Is mm -hmm. that still the case? So you just go to your website. Yeah, that's still the case. Um, so yeah, just go to the website and request an invitation, uh, and you you will receive one. It's not like this super exclusive thing that you have to wait for years or anything. Um, you'll receive it probably a few a few days later. Is what we're working with right now. Okay. Okay, and the website is what? 
meetedgar.com. Meet Edgar. You see that? That is so personal. Again, you got to meet this guy. I, I got really got to find <laughs> Edgar. <laughs> One of the things that I, that I, I uh, wanted to talk about today was building that that online digital brand. Now, mm-hmm. one of the things that your you your background has been digital media, social media, all that, and you also are creating a platform that's allowing people to repurpose content. And I, I mm-hmm. you know, I had heard that you you don't you don't believe that that's a bad thing. I agree with you. Some people have like a taboo: don't repurpose content. <laughs> but this is a great way to repurpose content. How do you feel like first-time entrepreneurs or even people entrepreneurs in transition can work on building that online persona, online presence, and how does your tool? help them do that effectively yeah I mean so it's all it's all about content I mean online marketing social media marketing really is content marketing because you're not really going to draw anyone to your site with your pricing page you know like no <laughs> one's no one's going to share that on social media uh, but if you create great content it, again that just means you know audio written video it doesn't really matter the format um, but if you create great content it's a great way to get people to your site then they look around, check out your products, check out your services, um, or your products and services are sort of interwoven in the content that you're sharing. So content is extremely important. What's really hard for people starting out is just um, the time to create this content because it is time consuming. And generally, the higher quality it is, um, the more time that it takes. That's that's generally true. You know, you put in a little more time, you will get a better result. So. I think that's why repurposing is so, so important. Uh, You know, it's amazing to me how many people, for example, start to try out blogging less often, but just sending the same article on social more. Uh, And they'll see they get the exact same results as writing a new article. Instead of writing one twice a week, write one once a week and send it out all week long. you know, it's always interesting seeing our traffic patterns at Edgar because, of course, of course, we use Edgar ourselves. So we have our library of blog posts that are sent out regularly. So for most people, if you look in analytics and you look at the traffic that your blog post receives, you're going to see that that giant spike the first day. Uh-huh. You know, some traffic like the first week, um, and then it and then it trails off forever, uh-huh. and it just becomes you know those few people a day, sometimes few people a week, sometimes few people a month True. that are discovering it via sharing or social or whatever if you look at our blog posts for edgar they look very different because they have this regular stream of spikes because every time we send that article out on social media it's another opportunity to get seen to get shared to get retweeted Um, and sometimes they can take off in a big way we had one that i looked up the other day just so i could put this chart in a presentation came out in february had this like massive massive spike in april with some smaller spikes later on every time we sent it out the april one i don't even know probably it got picked up by a big influence When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Answer. More people just found it relevant then. I don't know exactly why it hit so big in April, but I know that we created that opportunity. You know, that opportunity could not have happened without us proactively saying, okay, we're putting this into Edgar so it has the opportunity to get seen over and over again. Okay, no, I, I love it. I'm, I'm going through there. I'm going to sign up right now. And, um, You're sold. And, yeah, oh, you, you sold me already. You had me at a low. But, <laughs> but okay, so this, this is great. This is great. I heard that you had said you, you can't delegate your core business, right? That's something that you, you've, you've said before in one of your, your interviews. Okay, yeah. So I think um, what I was referring to by don't delegate your core business. So in Edgar, we make software. Um, so the people that make Edgar are, you know, our team of Ruby on Rails software developers. So the, the mistake that I sometimes see people make is, you know, maybe they're not technical. Maybe they can't build software, but they have an idea for software. So they go to, um, you know, what's called a dev shop, an, an outsourced team of people that make software and they want them to make it. But I've literally never seen it work out because that could work out for sort of a side thing, right? Like maybe you can have people help with marketing or PR. But if what you're selling is software, you can't outsource that, right? It's like if what you're selling is um, sunglasses, like you could just sell knockoffs of somebody else's, just like call the factory and be like, we'll just take more of those. <laughs> um, but you're just going to be selling knockoffs, right? You're not right. going to create, if you want to create a bigger business, you need to make your own original designs, have them custom made for you because your core business is, is sunglasses. So um, if you are not technical, but you want to do a software business, what I found is that you really need you know, a technical co-founder is best, um, or you'll need to get some money together so that you can hire someone to really be on your team uh, and help you run that technical side and, and build the initial product. And by the way, if you're listening and you're not technical, I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are great at online marketing, which is, you know, the talent that I brought for Edgar. I can't build the software, but, but I can sell it. And uh, I found a lot of marketers underestimate what an important skill that is until they meet a programmer <laughs> and they see how bad programmers are at, <laughs> at selling things. Um, every every programmer that you meet has like 10 projects where they're like, I built it, but then no one bought it. And then I gave up. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Um, so I think there's sort of this misconception of like, oh, I bring the idea and you build it. The idea it does not really have much value on its own, but you can add massive, very important value to a business by being the one that says, okay, you build it, but I'm going to get us customers and I'm going to sell it. Gotcha. So having that partnership is key. Like you and your mm -hmm. husband had, uh, you know, right. some of the things like the two sides, left and right brain. Definitely helps. Exactly. Definitely helps that. All right. Um, I want to go into building businesses that really, from the ground up, a lot mm -hmm. of people, you bootstrap your company. A lot of people, right. they, you know, they always talk about, should I go VC? Should I go the angel route and bootstrap? Mm -hmm. What is the, how do you build that uh, company on the ground up? What are skills that you can bestow upon the audience? Uh, yeah. So, it, you know, I think one of the most important things about bootstrapping is that you have to be aware that you are on a very different 
a, a different path than someone who raises money, especially someone who raises a lot of money. Uh, so when you read articles about business online, a lot of it is in the VC Silicon Valley world and they talk about growth at all costs. You know, they talk about just building your user base. They talk about, oh, figure out, you know, figure out your payment model later, just get users now. And none of these concepts apply <laughs> to a bootstrap <laughs> business. Um, but it's sort of hard to know that because you just, if you're new, you just read these articles and you're like, oh, these people know a lot about business and this is what they're telling me because the articles, the articles don't say, warning, do not read this unless <laughs> you raise a lot of money. Uh, you know, a very common pitfall is that people are just focused on growth, so they're spending more money acquiring a customer than they're actually making from the customer, you know, so they're spending $100 for a $50 customer and they have this idea of like, okay, we're growing, you know, we see our numbers of customers going up, we're going to figure this out later, but actually what you're doing is you're literally losing $50 on every customer, True. you know, like True. you're not, you're not making money, um, they're, they're taking money from you and that will never result in a profitable business. You know, if you've raised $10 million, you can burn through the first $8 million doing that, save the last two to figure out how to make money off your customer base, you know, which some of these bigger companies do. Right. So, you know, it's a very deliberate choice you have to make, but really the big difference as a bootstrapper is you have to be profitable um, basically from, from day one. And I love that. I love that challenge of making sure that everything we do really serves our customers because we have to earn their money. You know, we can't just like, oh, well, they use it because we give it away for free. And so, you know, people are happy to use it because the competition costs money and we're free. You know, Edgar, we charge $49 a month and we have competitors that have free plans, you know, so we really have to prove our worth. You're a small business owner. You're thinking about that $49. We have to really provide that value to make it worth $49 to you. And, and I love that challenge. No, you hit on my next point. I was going to ask you the price. So it's forty nine ninety nine, and there's ninety nine ninety nine as well. Uh, yeah, just forty nine and, and ninety nine. We don't do the extra ninety nine. <laughs> oh, okay, no, no, because yeah, so it's forty nine ninety nine, and basically what they get is is an, uh, it's you you deliver on your promises is what you're saying, and that's the challenge that you you go on every day. Yeah, yeah, and I love you know I love that our customers have to fund us. I love that it's like they're in charge of our growth. So it's like, okay, guys, we're going to do a good job for you so that we can serve you better by, by growing more. Because unless we're proving that value, we, we can't grow. Perfect. And uh, as we were talking, I just signed up for my two-week trial. So it's on. It's on. Excellent. It's on. <laughs> and okay, the, the thing that I really like to hit on the last, on the last uh, point was revenue models. When I've, I've been bootstrapping mine. And when you bootstrap, I remember it was, it was an interesting challenge it was also frustrating but it was also cool it's like several emotions at once trying to find out what the right revenue model is do i consult mm. do i charge do i speak mm. do i i mean it's so many things do you find that having several revenue models works or it's okay it's best to have one type of revenue model or i don't know mm. yeah i don't think it's a clear-cut answer i mean i've done um i've done a lot of different revenue models i've done you know one-on-one -on -one consulting group consulting mm -hmm. Uh, the more scalable training like B-School and then obviously software like Edgar. I have to say, from a revenue point of view, I love having that um, reoccurring, you know, that reoccurring monthly income. People talk about it like it's great. It's great. <laughs> because <laughs> as a bootstrap company, it just, it feels really good to know how much
much money is coming in the next month. Um, you know, anyone who's done like a consulting model or an info product model where maybe you have big launches, I mean, of course, B-School is the ultimate, right? B-School literally makes money once a year. Um, so that's, it's, it's very stressful from a financial perspective to kind of have such a huge bet. You know, we're going to make all our money for the whole year, once a year. Uh, obviously, that bet has paid off really well for B-School. That's worked. But, you know, you have to be really good at budgeting. You have to make sure the money's going to last to be able to serve your team for the rest of the year. So I think it can be good, especially if you're starting out bootstrapped. I think having a variety of ways to make money is often how you self-fund the business, which is really what we did at Edgar because we funded Edgar off the proceeds of the info products. Uh, because you know, software does take a little while to build. It took us about six months to build Edgar. Yeah. So it can be really good to have that mix where maybe you're you know, consulting while you're building an info product. Maybe you're selling info products while you're building your software and that's how you can kind of parlay one model into another. Love it, love it. And you hire an accountant, right? Or you have a system that does all the accounting and all that for tax purposes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a bookkeeper and a CPA, um, and then we use software like uh, like ProfitWell is one that ties in with Stripe to automatically keep track of our, our reoccurring revenue and our churn rate and all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. All right. So part of being a full, well-rounded business person is having that mix, you know, personal and and, and uh, professional. So you you got married. You got married to your business partner, right? Yeah. Well, I mean. I mean, I met him as a as a romantic partner, and then we figured out we were gonna. Oh, have you met him first as romantic. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Oh, that that might even be better. So you you were dated. Um, yeah. I don't know if you were married at the time, but you were dating, and then you decided, well, I can help you with the business. I'll do the. Romance. Yeah, well, for we we actually got married the same year that we met, um, so we just did everything at once. Look at you! <laughs> Look at you! All right, fine. So he was British. You said he's British, right? Yeah. Yeah. And did you guys get married in England or here? Or? Yeah, we did. We got married. Um, he's from Brighton, so we got married in a little church outside of Brighton and then had the reception in Brighton. Wow. Okay. And then um, how was that? Was it, How was the culture integrated? Was it – I mean, I know it's English because, you know, I have a lot of British cousins, but it's it mm-hmm. can be a bit of a, an interesting culture dynamic if it's a, a different uh, yeah. background. How was that? It's – it's funny because, you know, obviously it's so similar. I mean, if yeah. you have a spouse from a different country, it's it's one of the easiest ones you can have, right? I mean, we share the same native language, <laughs> so that makes things a lot easier than having a spouse who's not a native speaker. Um, but it's so funny seeing all the different little nuances. You know, Americans think of English as uh, much more formal than we are, which which they really are in a lot of ways. But then there's some little things that are so funny to Americans. Like I remember one of the first times I was at one of his little family gatherings, they were serving cake. And so they had the cake sitting out. So I'm I'm kind of waiting for like little, you know, little plates and forks to be mm-hmm. passed around. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, people just reach in and grab the cake with their <laughs> hands and eat it with their hands. Uh, and to me, like, as an American, that seems so, um, like, messy and, like, kind of rude and, kind of, like, that seems way more informal than anything we do. But, you know, to Brits, like, that's just how you eat cake. You just you just eat it with your hands. So yeah. it's like there's always, you know, and I've spent some time living in the UK now, so I've gotten pretty familiar with most of it. But it's like every time I visit, I learn. I mean, I always learn, like, a new phrase and a new word every time. <laughs> and then I'll just come across some weird little custom, and I'm like, I did not know you guys did that. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you picked up the accent? 
I, well, see, I've been living in America for a while now. When I when I live in the like after I've been in London for a year, all my American friends made fun of me. You know, this like every American hates this. When you move to England, you can't help it. You pick up a little accent, and then all your American friends make the same joke. They're like, "Oh, you're Madonna now." You think you're Madonna. <laughs> Madonna. Madonna is so the person that does that. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So okay. No, I, I get it because I you know I grew up in five countries and I'm always. My accent shifts all the time. I never know what it is. And my friends would have to pick it up and like, what did you just say? And I was like, yeah, I was just, you know, talking. And <laughs> like, I have a lot of familiarity with British because Nigeria was colonized by the English. Virtually all my cousins are British and they, they do sound British. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that we share is that love for football or I guess soccer, as you would, you would say. Yeah. Did are you have you fallen as your husband into that or have you fallen in love with the premiership on Saturdays and Sundays? You know what's funny? My husband Chris absolutely hates football. He has oh! no interest in it whatsoever. <laughs> which is so awful because, you know, we've also traveled a lot and everywhere around the world people love English football. Yes, you know, we yes. went to just like the deepest corners of Myanmar where there's no tourists and like huge banners everywhere, you know, with like Chelsea, like Arsenal, English football teams. So of course, when people find out that he's British, they always want to chat to him about football. And it sounds pretty rude to just be like, no, I hate football. Like it's not a very good conversation. (laughs) So we've picked teams that we like, mine is Arsenal because that was where we lived and we lived in London near Arsenal. So when people ask us, we'll be like, oh yeah, I love Arsenal. But then they start talking about players and we just sort of have to pretend that they know that we know who they're talking (laughs) about. That is hilarious. That is so funny. (laughs) All right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to ask this last question I'm going to ask before I ask the final question. Which food is better, British or English? Uh, I said British or English. British or American? American, obviously, times a million. <laughs> <laughs> times a million? You said times a million? It's that much clearer which food is better? <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm from Texas, so we have, like, tex mags. We have some of the best food. Um, it's just the food thing is is not happening in the UK. All it's, right. It's not well, good old Texas pride. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, this, this has been fun. But before I always – before I leave you, the one question is I always ask, the mission statement of – UID, as told by anybody, is use your difference to make a difference. That's what we always say. So how do you use your difference to make a difference, Laura? Oh, I actually, I really love that question. Um, Thank you. You know, what what really, (laughs) that's a good one. Um, What really comes to mind, something that I've really worked on over the years is uh, not being embarrassed about who I am and how I'm different and I thought of it recently so I spoke at a conference in in Bangkok recently at the Dynamite Circle uh, they call it DCBKK and I love public speaking it's something I haven't I haven't done in a while and I'm kind of getting back into and someone came came up to me after my talk and he said oh the way you talk he said it's really giggly and it's it's really girly and he said it like you know maybe you need to maybe you need to work on that maybe that's not so great <laughs> uh and it's something that when I was starting out, I was really self-conscious about and really bothered me. And I really had this idea, you know, I need to be more serious. I need to be more professional. I remember I went to a, a Toastmasters meeting in Chicago. And at least that chapter, the way they teach speaking is like, it's extremely formal. You know, you have to memorize everything. You don't want to come across as, as casual in your presentation. And I thought, wow, this really doesn't resonate with me at all because when I see speakers, I I love it when it just feels like they're talking to their friends, when they're really real and they talk how they really talk. So 
And that's something that I've really embraced. You know, I like to laugh. I like to have fun. Uh, you know, if I'm doing an interview like this, like it's just it's just more fun. If we're conversational. Just ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Chatting and laughing and conversational. So, you know, not everyone likes that. So I noticed it because when he came up and said that to me, it did not affect me at all. It just, you know, it just rolled off my back. I just thought, okay, you know, that's that's what he thinks. That's cool. Um, it's not for everyone. And I think that that's it's just such a great thing to remember for everyone thinking about how their own differences can make a difference. You know, whatever is true for you really resonates with someone else. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who say, oh, I have an accent, so I can't do podcasts, or, you know, I'm not a native speaker of English, so I can't write blog posts because they don't come out perfectly. And that's okay. You know, it's not about having the perfect English. It's about the message that you're sharing. And people understand what you're saying. You can get better at it over the years. And you're inspiring a lot of other people who think, oh, I don't speak perfect English either, but but they're doing videos. They're doing podcasts, right? They, they love seeing what you're doing. So, yeah, so that's how I've done it. You know, don't be afraid of being too giggly or too girly or, or whatever I am and, and just go with it and have fun with it. You're so right. And I, I can second that. I mean, when I started the podcast early, it was – I think I was cringing to hear my voice. But then I was like, you know what? I'm just this conversational guy that's energetic that likes to talk yeah. and be conversational. And I'm just going to do that. And I kept doing it. You know, sometimes people are like, Ty, you're too energetic to do that. And then it's 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 worked because all of a sudden uh, the guests have better rapport, and then it translates to mm-hmm. speaking engagement. Because I'm one of those people that likes to feel the audience. Uh, so I definitely I definitely agree with you. I think if it works for you, you stick with it, and uh, you know if it doesn't, then don't do it. Otherwise, you're not doing yeah. anyone a favor. But yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It is meetedgar.com, correct? Yes. Yes. And where else can we find you, Laura? We are Meet Edgar all over the interwebs. So Meet Edgar on Twitter and on Facebook. And my personal Twitter is LKR. All right. Boom. We'll make sure we get the uh, the Twitters chirping and uh, everyone <laughs> coming to your way. Thank you so much for taking the time. This has been absolutely fantastic. And I will make sure I, you know, I get back to my Tex-Mex once I get off this. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.